So, Meg, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to anybody who didn't listen to your earlier episode? <laughs> um, hi, everyone. My name is Megan. Um, I go to school with Nick at Eastern. Um, and we've been friends since freshman year. Um, and we both really love the movie Good Will Hunting. Yeah, so that's today's topic. Um, as part of the restructuring thing, movies are going to become a bigger focus because I can talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I... So right off the bat, kind of give a synopsis of what Good Will Hunting is about. Obviously, spoiler alert, I won't yeah. be able to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of you who... Like, Good Will Hunting is a movie that you need to, like, enjoy. But uh, give us the rundown of what it's about. Uh, so essentially, um, there's this guy, he lives in Boston, right? Boston, Massachusetts. Yes, it's Boston. And, um, he's, he's an orphan, meaning he lives in foster homes growing up and he works as a, as a janitor at MIT. And, um, despite being a janitor, he actually has the intellect level of a genius, but he doesn't use it to its full capacity. And so one day he is, um... He's working, he's doing his janitor work and at MIT. And then he starts solving a mathematics equation that a lot of people, because he's doing mathematics equations every single day that the MIT students themselves can figure out because he's just that smart. And he's caught doing it. And then this professor, I think his name's Professor Lam. Yeah, I forgot. I know it starts with an L. But the professor becomes interested in how, like, you know, he's just so smart. And I forgot what led him. He got into a fight, I think, at a bar because um, he has these three friends who he's like, they're like his group. And they've been with him since he was a kid. And they're basically like his only family, like the only people who he really has because he lost his parents. And his foster parents were abusive and he just was never really loved by any, any one of them. Uh, so these three friends, they're the closest people to him, but they're also um, kind of crude in the way they act. And so they get into... Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, keep, keep, keep in mind that this is like blue-collar uh, industrial town. Like, like uh, construction work is pretty much the only way you make money, sort of, an uh, area of Boston. So it's very, like tight close-knit community where everyone knows each other but no one is i don't no one is like the movie stereotypes these people as, as being yeah. like they, and they um, don't have the opportunities yeah, so these, to, to move up his in friends, life like, they're, they're um construction workers and they are not gifted with the same talent he has um they also sort of an influence on the way he acts because he gets into a fight at a bar and he gets like very aggravated and I think that causes him to have to do community service and also get therapy sessions because, you know, obviously that was a episode of severe anger. And this is when he meets Sean McGuire, who is a psychology professor and also a licensed therapist. And basically the movie is about recognizing your trauma, um, learning to trust again, learning to trust yourself also, and also to use your talents to the best of ability because will will hunting he's essentially ignoring all the talent he has all the intellect he has and throwing it away by not pursuing anything and just staying as a janitor yeah so basically the movie is saying that like if you have opportunities mm-hmm. so yeah will will's character 
uh, played excellently by Matt Damon <laughs> in one of his earlier roles. So, by the way, the cast in this movie is, like, actually absurd. Yeah. It has um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, who actually mm-hmm. wrote the script. Uh, Robin Williams, and honestly, probably his best performance of his career. Yeah, he is. Um, I want to get to Robin Williams later, because I think he he's the standout of the movie for me. But but Matt Damon is also fantastic. So, so Will, he... He doesn't want... Like, he knows mm-hmm. inside that he's smart enough to do whatever he wants. He can get whatever job he wants. But he's so fine with being just content in life. He's fine with living yeah. the same life that he's always lived, but not taking any risks. Uh, and, and so the point of the movie is you can be as book smart as possible. But if you don't take mm-hmm. risks in your social life and use the opportunities that you're given, you're never actually going to go anywhere. And and so most of the movie, or at least I think the most engrossing scenes are whenever Sean and Will are together. Because the the, the dynamic that, you know, they also build up Robin Williams's character, uh, Sean McGuire, the, the therapist, he, mm-hmm. he also comes from a pretty traumatic yeah. life, right? Like he's a Vietnam veteran. Um, he was also abused PTSD. by his father. I think his, his, his father wife, was an alcoholic. His wife died of cancer. Uh, and... Yeah, his father was a raging alcoholic. He, I'm pretty yes. sure he didn't have a mother growing up, or he, he like something happened to her. Mm-hmm. She might have died. Um, so he, he, he understands where Will's coming from. He's also very smart. Like they make it very apparent that, like the, Sean's character has a foil in the mm-hmm. MIT professor who is a who recognizes that Sean is smarter than him. But the, the the point being, Sean doesn't want Will to become what Sean became. Sean, he had he's so smart. But he never he he let his past get in the way of him progressing in the future, and he sees Will as like a younger version of himself. Yeah. And so the point of the movie is that he doesn't want Will to ultimately become what he became. It definitely um, is, yeah. And so I don't know about you, but I think the most famous scene in the movie is the park bench scene. So, um, a, a, mm-hmm. I should probably just honestly play the speech like in the actual episode. So I'll do that. Um, but like here the speech. I thought about what you said to me the other day about my painting. Uh, I stayed up half the night thinking about it. Something occurred to me. I fell into a deep, peaceful sleep and I haven't thought about you since. You know what occurred to me? No. You're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. Why, thank you. It's all right. You've never been out of Boston. If I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo. I know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. seen that. If I ask you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus of your personal favorites. You may have even been laid a few times. But you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. 
You're a tough kid. I ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watch him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. I ask you about love, you'd probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel. To have that love for her be there forever. Through anything. Through cancer. And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in a hospital room for two months, holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss, because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me because you saw a painting of mine. You ripped my fucking life apart. You're an orphan, right? Do you think I'd know the first thing about how hard your life has been, how you feel, who you are, because I read Oliver Twist? Does that encapsulate you? Personally, I don't give a shit about all that, because you know what? I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some fucking book. Unless you want to talk about you, who you are. And I'm fascinated. I'm in. But you don't want to do that, do you, sport? You're terrified of what you might say. You move, Chief. Here the speech will play, and then this. So the speech that you just heard uh, is is the scene from the movie that I think most people remember and probably sums uh, up so what the movie's the about. So can you kind Sean of guide us through like what the um, speech is saying? Basically, uh, Will thinks that he knows everything, and he tends to over. He tends to only see the surface level of other things because. I guess like his emotional trauma is causing him to not really recognize the true meaning of things. And so he tries to dissect Sean's life from a painting that was in his room. And um, he thinks that he knows everything about Sean because of that painting and the way he dissected it. And Sean tells him that he was thinking about that. And he realized that 
Will really just doesn't have any experience with the real world because like you said he tends to just settle and settle and he like doesn't want to pursue anything more than what he currently has and he prevents himself from going any further and he talks about how like he's never experienced the smell of the Sistine Chapel or he's never experienced having a loved one die in his arms or just truly experiencing like these key moments in life he hasn't done any of that and so he can't really judge Sean and also he encourages him to just let himself go to let go of this barrier that he's holding and to just talk to Sean about what he's been going through or what he has been through and just to be honest with himself Yeah, and like that's that's the point of saying like when when Sean says yeah if I ask you about love you'll probably quote me a sonnet from mm-hmm. Shakespeare right like you'll say once more into the breach dear brethren or something which is from Henry the Eighth I believe and so what Robin Williams is saying or I guess Sean is saying is that like Sean knows throughout the movie that what he's doing with Will will take time because he's trying to crack yeah. years mm-hmm. of Will conscientiously blocking himself off. From the outside world from blocking himself and, and fortifying himself in his his middle class blue collar sort of life and i think what people don't give Definitely, robin williams yeah. enough credit for like obviously he's known for his comedic roles right like like the guy was a stand-up comedian in his serious roles he can act incredibly well mm-hmm. i mean the 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 emotional weight that is pretty much all carried throughout sean in this movie um like the another real probably the second most famous scene from the movie is near the end of it. So so Will, he he's given the opportunity to finally, he falls in love with this, this uh, English exchange student. And she moves to California. And he basically has the option, which it's symbolic, he has yeah. the option to leave his old life behind and pursue a new life and get a high-paying job. Or he can stay back with mm-hmm. his friends. And he's sitting there at the construction site talking about this with Ben Affleck's character. And Ben Affleck's character says something like, the quote that sticks with me is something like, you know, the happiest part of my day is walking up to your door, knocking on it, and hoping that you don't answer. Because you have the gifts, you have the God-given intelligence to leave this all behind. And for us, you don't take that opportunity. Yeah, And I saw that the first time, and my heart just sank. I think I remember him connecting his, like, his gift to like the lottery and like he has the ticket but he's not cashing it in i think i remember him saying something like that yeah Mm -hmm. and basically like he has the winning ticket because like they're like blue collar workers and they're blue collar workers because you know the circumstances and and they also don't have the intellect that will has like they they, they don't have the college and i remember him saying like he he wishes he had that but he doesn't and so because will is gifted with this beautiful thing he has to do it not only for himself but for his friends he has to pursue something bigger yeah like it's like will will in a way is 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 very very egocentric in that he Mm -hmm. like he knows he's smart but he doesn't want change in his life 
And, like, Sean, you see how miserable he is throughout the movie. He's constantly stuck reminiscing about his his wife, and the movie is as much about exploring Will's psyche as it is about Sean's. Because through Will, Sean is able to put Vietnam past him. He's able to put um, the death of his wife past him. And that doesn't mean he yeah. completely blocks them off, but he, he realizes that, like, reminiscing on the past won't actually do anything. He also decides to to pack up and and explore further opportunities, um, and, and the screenplay of this movie is just wonderful. I mean, the the there's so many memorable quotes. Yeah, like the, the scene that really makes me cry every time I watch it is the the it's not your fault scene, where it's the final the final therapy meeting of Sean and Will. So Will by this point has has recognized that he needs to to grow. Like he needs to go mm-hmm. to California with the love of his life and raise a family, right? Have the opportunity that his parents never gave him. To have the opportunity that his friends never had. And at this point, he's battling with whether or not to do it. And Sean looks at him and knows what Will's thinking. Because remember, we've already established that they're very similar characters. And he says, it's not your fault. And he Mm -hmm. just keeps repeating That was so powerful. And for the first time in the movie, Will breaks down crying. Because Sean Mm -hmm. broke the ice. He was the Titanic that broke the iceberg. He basically, he, he basically, in in Will's head, was was able to convey what nobody else could, because Will finally understood that Sean knew where he was coming from. And that scene where Will starts crying and says, "It's not your fault," and Will's like, "I don't need this shit from anybody else." Like, like that scene is so powerful because of the mm-hmm. because it's the first time in the movie we see Will cry. It's the first time in the movie we see him express sadness over something. Because throughout the movie, he's just he's just a a, a, cock, a cocky like, you know, narcissistic janitor. Um, but but he he breaks down in mm-hmm. tears, and I watched that the first time, and I'm like, oh my god, like that that's the emotional climax of the movie. And then after that scene, he goes and, and yeah. leaves town. And, and talking about that scene right now, I'm realizing how relatable he must be to so many people because I feel like there's a lot of people that just struggle with. Um, I guess I guess seeing the bigger picture and also just like learning to trust because it's so hard to be vulnerable especially now and a lot of people I know struggle with that. It's yeah, it's very like like I find myself recognizing parts of myself and will mm-hmm. where it's like like not to toot my own horn. I know I'm smart. Like I know I'm intelligent, but at the same time I don't personally want change in my life because I'm happy with where I am. And that that's kind of a dangerous mentality to have yeah. because if you have the opportunities in life, why not take them? Um, and, and like, I watched the movie the first time and I'm like, this is one of those few movies that's going to stick with me. Um, but yeah, that that's basically the plot and symbolism of the movie. But like, I think that the actors and the yeah. screenplay, like the, everything about this movie is perfect. If you ask me what like some of the perfect movies I've seen, yeah. I would probably say like Back to the Future, Terminator Two, and this. There, there are very rare, perfect yeah, movies, but I, I don't think there's anything I mean, I've wrong. I've only with watched it once because it was taken off Netflix, yeah. I think. But when I did watch it, it really struck a chord in my heart because it was, it was just so impactful. Especially because I was like, I think, fourteen when I watched it, and you know that's obviously like a impressionable age. And it's good to, for like people who are adolescents to watch this because it's it's has such a powerful message. 
and um it's just very very inspiring yeah i i i watched uh-huh. it the first time and i just went out of my room and just sat there and thought because the the movie and again i cannot talk about how amazing yeah. matt damon and robin williams and ben affleck are in this movie like like i i already had respected them as actors because like robin williams is good in a lot of the other movies he's in obviously jumanji he's very good in the uh, world according to gart mrs doubtfire but these, these are not movies that are not that that are serious right like the, yeah he very rarely does these series or did rest in peace these serious roles. which yeah, by the way definitely. i still stand up the opinion that robin williams was taken from us too soon I mean, the guy, just a fantastic actor, fantastic person, according to everybody who ever worked with him. they. But but even Matt Damon, right? Like, Matt, Matt Damon is an actor who, yeah. you know, his, his movies are good. Like, like The Martian, great movie. Uh, like, he, he was good in, like, what else is he? Uh, he's, he's been in a bunch of Fight Club. I'm, no, Bond. he wasn't in Fight Club. That was Brad Pitt. Born, born movies, not Bond. <laughs> the, the Born, the Born movies. But then it's like you see him in one uh-huh. of his first movies, and and he's doing this. He's this good. And then Ben Affleck. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I never like I know him as Batman. I never, I never yeah, see Ben Affleck would be like a dramatic series actor. Come up with it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I saw a comment that said, "You know what's you know what's as impressive as Robin Williams yeah. acting in the bench scene is the fact that the person sitting next to him wrote it." Yes. I'm like, holy mackerel. And when when Robin Williams died, like the day or two after, Matt Damon gave a really emotional interview where mm-hmm. he's like, this guy was my inspiration as an actor, you know? And just what he was able to do was just uncanny. Williams would memorize entire scripts. Literally, he would memorize the entirety of the plot, everything that a character says, the entirety of, of what happens in the stage directions, and then half of his scenes were improv. He would improv everything. If you've ever seen uh, Good Morning Vietnam or parts of that movie, he the the, the entirety of like the the famous like the famous Good Morning yeah. Vietnam yell that wasn't in the script. He just improv that, and, and, and stuck. And the the scene where he's like, where uh, Sean is talking and he's like, my when he's talking about his wife and he's like, <laughs> was improved. That entire scene was improved. Yeah. Um, and so I mean I'm like. I'm like, man, this movie is a class A exhibit on how to act. Yeah, definitely. Um, Robin Williams is just the epitome of just talent. And it's it's really, like, this movie is really a testament of how powerful he was. And that he could, he can be the funniest guy ever. And he could be the most serious and powerful guy ever. He's just... He was everything, you know, and it's it's very very sad that he was taken away so soon. But yeah, he's very very talented. The ending of Williams's life was just so tragic, you know. Everything that happened to him, mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy. Um, and and obviously his daughter had a lot to say about it, but you know, I I know that this episode's probably not going to be incredibly long. Um, because there's only so much you can say about the movie. Because, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a complicated movie, but in a way, that, like, it's very clear about what its message is. I think. Yeah, I think it. 
depicts the message in a very creative way, but it still makes sure that the average viewer can understand it and can take something away from it. Um, it, it's, I mean, Goodwill Hunting has a lot of language in it, but like, part of me is yeah. like, that's pretty realistic for the way people talk. I mean, if you mm-hmm. ever been in the area, I mean, it's just, just how they operate. Um, yeah. like, honestly, it, it, I, I like that, that they're realistic, like that they're willing to be, that there's a sense of realism to the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just, I I liked how it depicted mental health because, um, especially coming from a background as well as that's so traumatic, it did depict it realistically because that is common with a lot of orphans is like this feeling of um, distress with everyone and just not feeling safe, which I think will felt throughout the movie mostly until the end and yeah it was just a very realistic depiction of the lives of this type of people yeah it's it's like because i don't think you can underestimate like how important parents are to a kid's development mm-hmm. obviously in both positive and negative ways but you know you pretty much learn everything from your parents i know this is going to be after father's and mother's day but obviously at the time of recording this mother's day is coming up um and it's like yeah see, these days I, I think people underestimate them and i can't even imagine mm-hmm. what it's like to grow up as an orphan but I but goodwill hunting either. i think definitely it's a testament to well-written will's character is I've looked at it and been like it's pretty accurate to how we feel like it, there's nothing out there's nothing that mm-hmm. out there about the screenplay depicts it because the the movie makes no effort That's awful. And I'm pretty sure there's a flashback scene with Sean's father, isn't there? I I think there like, is. I, 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 remember I remember he, like, throws the bottle like of beer on the ground. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and I kind of, like, feel really bad for Ben Affleck's characters because they just know they're kind of stuck. Like, like, like they, they know that they're stuck in this yeah. middle class. Like, that, that this is their predominant idea of what life is. Um, which, you know, that's, that's regrettable. That's... Industrialization, right? Like, there were little things called company towns where everyone was at one factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make me sad because... Um, especially in that scene where he was talking to Will, um, Ben Affleck's character... He, you could really tell how desperately he would want yeah, to get out mad. of like, that like, life. Like, you, know, you could definitely tell Ben Affleck was mad that Will was not going to California. He's like, no, you're my friend. Yeah. But like, you have something that we don't. Like, and I do think the movie's just saying it's with intelligence, yeah. right? I think it's with a lot of things like leadership, uh, financial stability, so uh, whatever it is, whatever gift you have, like, it's there for a reason. 
Yeah. And you have to use it, you know, because there's people who would kill to have that same opportunity that you have, you know? But when you're not taking up that opportunity, you're almost doing you're doing a disservice. You're really honestly. Like, like that that's what Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's to what yourself and to other um, people and, and like the, the final scene with Ben Affleck's character is he goes to to Will's house to pick him up for quote unquote work knowing that he left and he walks up to the door jiggles the doorknob checks the window and he's not home and he just smiles and walks back to his car and that's the last you see of him the movie doesn't hide that Ben Affleck's character never leaves mm-hmm. it, it recognizes that that's the reality of the situation yeah. And I think one of the reasons that Good Will Hunting is so good is that it's grounded in reality. It doesn't mince details. The language is not minced. It's it's realistic to what life is like, you know? And, and having yeah, relatable like characters goes a long way towards making a good movie. Because, like, ultimately, I think you mm-hmm. in these characters. And that's one of the reasons, like, Good Will Hunting is considered a modern classic. Is that it, it is... It, it's, it's a testament to how good these actors are. It's a testament to to how they write a realistic screenplay. I know that it's taught a lot in film courses. Like, I don't know if you agree with everything I said there, but I, I think it's, I think it's pretty cut and dry, truthfully. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with almost everything, you know. Um, it's, it's about having relatable characters, a realistic story, and also just having the right actors play it because you can get almost any actor to play this, but if they don't have the, the certain charm and the certain charisma and also chemistry with the other actors because the chemistry between Will and Sean or Robin Williams and Matt Damon like they had a very good connection and the way that they acted showed that because they worked so well together so there's just so many components to this film that just made yeah, it so and, great and honestly it's like there are so many movies with replays that just have like bad actors in them um, and, and not really mm-hmm. bad actors, but like, you gotta, you really, you really, 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 really gotta respect, like, people who are multifaceted. Like, it, it, as, as some, you know me, I do theater. Like, one of my biggest things is the ability to play multiple roles, right? Not just be a comedic character actor, you know? And, and literally everyone in this movie mm-hmm. does it. Like, Matt Damon does comedies, Ben Affleck does comedies. He's in a bunch of rom-coms. Like, obviously, Robin Williams is, was literally a stand-up comedian for most of his life, so the yeah. flexibility that these actors have is just insane like it, it's it's such a weird contrast watching the genie in aladdin and then watching sean mcguire <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um, do you have anything else to add uh megan thomas <laughs> um honestly i think we've covered everything i just i just really like to stress how important this movie is to me and and to you as well i think and it's just such a staple um, film that I think everyone should watch. It's very rare that I watch a movie that makes me like think after it. Because a lot of honestly, I'm, I'm gonna like a lot of the movies. Like the movies that have done that for me are this, obviously, American Psycho, pretty much any Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, God, mm-hmm. I love Quentin Tarantino, but that's that's another topic. By the way, watching Glorious Bastards because I want to do an episode on that. Uh, great movie. Great, great movie. But, mm-hmm. oh man, it's like yeah. every time I watch a movie that makes me think about my personal life, I'm like, it, it speaks to how good it is because it struck a chord. Yeah, 
and not a lot of movies have the Parasite ability was one. to do that. Parasite was one. Parasite, uh, we talked about definitely, that. Definitely, yeah. Like, I, I probably should have brought that up in that episode, but like, yeah, no, I sat down after that movie and I'm like, yikes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a pretty good critique of modern definitely. society, if I say so. Uh, American Psycho did that too, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually have yet to do an episode of. It's my favorite movie. I did a rhetorical analysis episode on it, but that was just for English. <laughs> That was not. That was not like, <laughs> yeah. my actual thoughts on the movie. It, it was more analyzing rhetoric inside of the film, but and, and it yeah. was based off one speech. I couldn't extrapolate it to the whole film, which was really a bummer. But you know, this this movie, I think that there's a reason that it resonates with so many people, and it has a pretty high reputation. I mean, I ask people about it, they're like people who watch it. They're yeah. like, yeah, it's a pretty solid film. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think it's had a very good impact on everyone who's watched it. Yeah, no, it it. it because, like, there's almost something in it for everyone. Especially because yeah. a lot of us come from that, like, middle class. I don't... Where we live isn't particularly blue-collar, like, at all. Like, we, we don't have factories and industries. Most of our jobs are, like, engineers or nurses or stuff. But, like, you know, a middle-class background. Um, even though it's, it, it's probably arguable that the people in that movie are, like, lower class. But, like, you know, that sort of lower-to-middle-class mm-hmm. sort of upbringing. Um, so yeah I don't know if you have anything else yeah. otherwise I'm good I think I'm good I really enjoyed dissecting yeah, it was, it was a good movie. with you uh, good movie good mm-hmm. podcast episode get more